So Jillian Taylor is here, and uh, we're recording this uh, days after the the passing of David Bowie, and today he performed uh, Heroes. And um, I have to admit that it really hits a chord with me, that song. And in the wake of everything that's taken place in the last week, it it really brings a lot of things home and all the rest. Uh, what did Bowie mean to you, and, and how did you handle the news? Well, at first I was very, very shocked, obviously, in the morning when I got up and heard that he had passed. I mean, yeah. we've lost so many amazing rock stars in the, the last, gee, two months, really. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't believe it. Um, Bowie, to me, as a kid growing up, was someone who transcended uh, all sorts of genres, which is something that I like to do. I love all sorts of types of music. And, I, and really, my first introduction would have been Let's Dance, you know, that era of time at Bowie, because I would have mm -hmm. been like four or five, and I loved those records, um, that record in particular, and all the dance stuff that was going on at that time. Um, so diving into his music, I found out that he was a folk artist, that he was a rock artist, that he was a glam artist, that he was a jazz artist, and the new record, I've heard the new record quite a bit, and it's got a very jazzy flair to it, mm -hmm. too. And jazz and, and rock and roll, blues music, uh, folk music, all that stuff sort of itch, inches its way into what I do as well. It's a great segue into leading exactly what you've been doing recently. You're, you know, what you do is a fusion of a lot of different styles, like Bowie and all the rest. And that's a bit of a challenge, is it not? Um, not musically. I like the challenge musically. Okay. I'm, I, I like trying to do things that aren't four chords yeah. and try to mix things up. So for me, I'm enthused by it. It, it, it drives me. I think from another point, it's, it's difficult for audiences to, to really determine and you know, put us in a box as to what the Julian Taylor band is. That's what's difficult about it, I think. Yeah, I think I think we are prone, especially today, to want to put things in in categories and boxes in in you know conveniently so that, oh, you're a reggae artist, oh, you're a punk artist. Mm -hmm. And here comes the Julian Taylor band kind of endeavoring to do it all and that i guess that's probably more of a challenge for anybody marketing what you do than that's it is for, for musically it's a lot of fun i bet yeah it's great one of the things that you are you're torontonian i am and yes. and when i listen to your music and the things that you've done over the years it is a reflection of what the city is all about it's cultural and it's musical diversity mm -hmm. do you find the city soaks into what you do does it inform your music incredibly yeah i i i I've been in Toronto my whole life. I've been yeah. playing music my whole life. My family plays music. Um, you know, my dad's a pian pianist, and my uncle Brainerd's a conductor of a choir. And then, wow. Um, some of the the other cousins play jazz music and stuff. So we're always jamming out together. And when we were growing oh, wow. up, yeah, it's pretty cool. And the our, fam jam, the a fam true jam. fam jam. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Our drummer's got the same thing going on for him too, because his dad's a piano player, his brother's a bass player, and his and he's a drummer. Uh, and his other brother plays the accordion, so they've got a fam jam there too. Wow, <laughs> accordion. Um, yeah, but Love it's it. interesting because as a singer, I, I started off, and it's like the, the, the old cliche, singing in church. Um, That's not a cliche. I think in Canada, we don't hear that too often. I think, maybe you know, right. You know, cultures and, and there's certain religions that are a little bit more prevalent in the States where you're going to see gospel music much more often than here in Canada. That's not to say that there aren't those communities and that music that are alive and vibrant, but we don't hear it from Canadians as much, you know? Mm -hmm. Actually, you're right. And it's funny because I think about it as a, as, a, as a cliche because I've heard about it growing up, you know, Aretha Franklin and 
Marvin Gaye, yeah. but all these guys are Americans, you're right. Um, so that's where I started, and when I became a teenager, I started to listen to rock and roll because up until that point I hadn't. I, re- I listened to what my parents listened to uh, in the house, and that was Stevie Wonder Records, Nat King Cole Records, Marvin Gaye Records. Soul. I think I think we all did that. I mm-hmm. think we all kind of grew up listening to records of our parents or our brothers and sisters. I know that was the case with me. I grew up listening to Beatles and Stones. You have and siblings? My, uh, pardon me? You have siblings? Yeah, I've yeah. got three older brothers. And so I got everything from one brother who was the Rebel, who was Dylan, to my brother's my other brother who was the Stones and the Beatles, to my oldest brother who was into Elvis. And then there was my dad that really liked uh, Brat Pack jazz. And then my mom, who was a music teacher who was listening to opera and classical records. So at my house, it was wow, just like, it, it was like an avalanche. And that, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I kind of carry that around with me and identify mm. with so many of those records. As any young, you know, a burgeoning musician or a musician learning their craft, that has to kind of creep in to what you do today. Do you find that sometimes? Absolutely. I, I, from my my family background is is very uh, different because I, I come from the islands. My mm-hmm. father comes from the islands, and my mother's Native American Indian. Okay. And wow. so we have all the spiritual music that I grew up with as well. Um, you know, the drums were very prevalent. Wow. And whatever we were doing and I found that yeah I don't have an older brother or an older sister so I, it was me paving the way for my sister but all of that music as soon as I got into high school my friends influenced me and I finally really understood what the Beatles and the Stones were all about and then high school kept going and Nirvana and Cypress Hill came out and stuff like that and well that was awesome and then all of a sudden you find yourself to be part of that musical community itself I think Kids FM listeners will probably identify you most or first with your band Staggered Crossing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, was that the first band? I mean, was, was it it was that? essentially the first band I was in because it was a band that my friends and I started when we were 14 in high school. We called ourselves the Midnight Blues. We were a blues band at first and we okay. all had matching guitars and stuff like that and played Howling Wolf tunes. But it oh. turned into, once Nirvana came in and, and we've heard that, it turned into more of an alt-rock sort of thing. But it did always have blues elements. Wow. Now you've been for the most part, a solo artist since, right? But collaborating with your friends in Toronto and stuff like that. But the music has changed and you've changed as well, mm-hmm. I, I take it. I can tell with everything that you've done. Um, you have a new EP that's out. But I guess from what I'm reading, Dark Star is the part of a... Desert uh, Star, sorry. Excuse me. Not dark. I wish it was Dark Star. <laughs> Desert Star, yeah. <laughs> well, Desert... Death Star. S- Death Star, right. <laughs> so Desert Star is a new EP. There's five songs on here including your new single that uh, we'd be playing here called Heard Good Things. Uh, interesting that the sequencing is all screwed up on the back here. There's a reason for that, actually. Is that right? I can't divulge what it is yet. Okay, for those of you who are who have a chance to look at the back of the EP, there's track one, track two, track four, track five, track three. Hmm. All right. Well, there's an actual reason. There's, there's a method to the madness. Okay. So what, what I understand <laughs> is that this is the beginning of what cumulatively would become a double album. Is that it right? Is, yes. Have you written all the other songs yes, yet? Yes, I have. So why are you doing it this way? Why not a double album? I think it was just time constraint, to be honest. Okay. Um, because we're all really busy, and uh, it was also going to cost a lot of money, and we're helping to raise it ourselves. Could it have anything to do with the short attention spans that a lot of music <laughs> yes, fans have. It also has something to do with that. You know, I mean, let me ask you this question. As a music fan, one, 
maybe I'm asking the wrong guy here. When was the last time that you sat and listened to an album from start to finish? You're definitely asking the wrong guy, but yeah, um, I can tell friends of mine never do that. In fact, they'll even take an iPhone and put it in a, in a cup, and that's what they're listening to, to music on because yeah. it gives it the reverberation. Yeah, yeah, it opens. Yeah, it and makes it, it just infuriates me. I kind of get that. Yeah, we've kind of reduced music a little bit. I mean, if there's one thing that I find really encouraging with the comeback of vinyl is that the experience is returning. Well, you know, you have to listen to the whole thing. But you have to. You, part of it is listening to it. You know, I think a lot of people don't identify with the fact that when you pick up a vinyl album, the cover is like a book. It tells you what might be inside. There are clues to what might be there. Yeah. It is the invitation to get in there. And then you put the platter on and you play it, and you just you don't skip to track four. You can't. You, you have to start at track one and let it ride, roll to the back of the album. Yeah. You're in for at least a 15 to 20-minute experience. And we don't do that with our devices. We don't do that anymore. We have playlists, you know what I mean? And so, you know... People don't even listen to the whole song. They, they don't. They click through it. And in the fact that a name and an artist and, a, and an album title will be in a, in a list, in a set of columns, it really kind of just takes everything out of it. I agree. I mean, I just had a birthday party last weekend. Sure. And I brought a record player to the uh, the venue yep. and made all my friends bring three records. Oh, that's great. So nobody, you had a, yeah, and you had a vinyl party. party. Yeah, nobody was allowed to use their phone for like Spotify or they couldn't turn on the radio. They had to bring three records with them. Wow. I brought my... That sounds like fun. I like that. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, so we listened to everything from Made in Japan to, you know, Sonny Terry and Brown and McGee. Um, wow. Songs in the Key of Life, uh, The Monks, like, it was awesome. The Monks, yeah. wow. Johnny B. Rotten tonight, <laughs> nice really cool. nice leg, shame about the face, and of course, <laughs> Drugs in My Pocket. See, I remember that album. And you know what? Even I probably, The Knack is a great record. Somebody brought that. Wow. That's a vinyl party. We have to have one of these one day. So so the, the first EP is out. How many are there going to be? There's going to be three. Okay. More. So Do four in total. Do you also think that perhaps one of the things this allows you to do is to take this collection, collection of songs that you've already written and reinterpret them as time moves on? You know, the, the way you kind of imagine them today may be completely different a year from now mm -hmm. when you get to the next one. It's inter it's, well, it's interesting that you say that because all the EPs are very different. Yeah. Um, and it reflects, and I wanted it to reflect my taste in you know, genre bending. So that's what we're, we're trying to do. So I may fall flat on my face with it, but. So how is Desert Star, what is its distinctive voice? What is it about, that, about it? How would you describe it compared to the other ones that we are gonna hear later? This one is, sorry, this one is uh, a little poppy and it's got elements of slower stuff on it right off the gate. Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be one that is very introspective. We, we recently lost our guitar player from Stagger Crossing mm. who had passed. And so when we were in the middle of writing it, my whole thing changed and went, to, went over there. Wow. So there's going to be a record that's kind of sad. And then there's a record that's really fun and really funky. And then there's a record that is really rocky as well. Okay, what about the Bavarian folk music record? Is there one in there at all? <laughs> 
I think I'm gonna cha- I'm gonna try that challenge on my next record, and it'll be covers. It'll be Monk's covers <laughs> done that way. <laughs> Julian, what's next for you in terms of uh, when can we see you next? Any planned anytime soon? We're, ho- we're hoping to get on the uh, the festival circuit, um, and we're trying to get uh, radio stations out there to play the new new single. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, when they do, uh, we can tour Canada again. And uh, we're also going to dip down into the states. We've got the record out in the States and, and starting to pick, pick up some traction there. And um, for me, it's the, the most fun that I have is actually writing. The inception of the song is the most fun that I have. That's why I got into it in the first place. Yeah, It's the birth of something that is so amazing and so hard to um, understand and you know convey to anybody. But when it does, it's, it's a really amazing feeling. Well, that's great. I look forward to the new records and especially seeing you out on stage, even Thanks, though you'd Paul. rather stay back and write. No, I, I love the stage. Bring it on. Yeah. Julian Taylor, thank you very much, man. Thanks, Paul. It's good. Great to see you, man.